This is Consumed, a podcast featuring casual conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers around California Central Coast and beyond. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this is my 10th season, which means I've done 100 episodes. Let's celebrate, shall we? I want to start by saying thank you to a couple sponsors. First, I'm always grateful for Ranchos de Anaveros Wines in the Santa Maria Valley. Did you ever see the movie Psalm? Remember the young blonde guy who eventually became a master sommelier? His name is Ian Cobble, and he recently had this to say about James Anaveros' Native 9 2013 Pinot Noir. This wine left an indelible impression on me renewing my faith in California Pinot Noir's ability to age. Had I tasted it blind, I might have easily mistaken it for a polished and much more expensive Moray Saint-Denis wine from a Premier Cru vineyard. The 2013 Native 9 from James Onoveros' Heritage Vineyard overlooking the Santa Maria Valley is a wine any Burgundy producer would be proud to have made. This is high, high praise, my friends. Taste Ranchos de Onoveros wines yourself at the station in Los Alamos or learn more at ranchosdeoniveros.com. Thanks also to Slow Life Magazine, the publication that delights in sharing the spirit of San Luis Obispo, California. I'm considering writing about Hawaiian food restaurants for my next food column in the magazine, like Shave Ice at Big Al's in Avila Beach, Hawaiian Plate Lunches at Red Dirt Coffee House in Arroyo Grande, and Span Musubi at Kilo Kilo Brewing in Paso Robles. Want to learn more? Pick up Slow Life on newsstands at Boo Boo Records and Barnes & Noble, or subscribe at slowlifemagazine.com. Angela Sarah North and Sadie Rogers each had a love for wild things long before they met in San Luis Obispo. Their respect for the natural world brought them together into a mentorship relationship, with Angela teaching Sadie to become a certified herbalist. On the podcast, the two of them discuss the ancient medicine of Ayurveda, how edible and medicinal plants grow right in our driveways, the significance of a near-fatal moment for Sadie in Big Sur, and the connectedness of it all. Enjoy my discussion with Angela Sarah North and Sadie Rogers. I'm so delighted to sit here with you. Um, and you brought this sweet little pot, like a, a enamel pot that has a bunch of stuff in it. Can you tell me about that first? Yeah. Um, I love thrifting. So the pot is thrifted it's from up in so South Lake cute. Tahoe. <laughs> love it. It's cute. Um, yeah. The, the herbs in it are, it's like a tea that I make often, which is um, lemon balm, Lemon verbena, rose, nettles, and tulsi. And do you forage all of that or do you like order it? I know some people yeah. order for things. Um, I grow the, um, so I bought the roses. Mm-hmm. I, I grew the tulsi and lemon verbena and lemon balm. Amazing. And then the nettles I went out and wildcrafted. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I asked you on is... Uh, well, first of all, Sadie, we've known each other for quite a while. I know. Yeah. It has been so many years, probably a decade. It, it's over because yeah. um, my son was born in 2010 and you were the first person to watch him. Oh, yeah, that's right. right? Oh, my gosh. That was fun. Which I will never forget <laughs> um, because, yeah, Jake and I were able to take a walk. That yeah. was, yeah. And I think you that's also sweet. maybe saw in us. A need for support. Yeah. Did yeah, you experience that. anything like that after having your daughter? Um. Yeah. A need for support. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> my God. <laughs> Was but that yeah, your condition? Just like, yeah. Yeah. Just there's a lot when you're going into anything new where like um, yeah, the anxiousness or yeah, just trying to find people who you can really trust mm-hmm. to like. Um, watch your kids so you can get a break because that's like such a necessary component of like the postpartum experience. But yeah, I think you and I see a lot of each other in our postpartum experiences and navigating through that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. I had seen that in you. I remember. Yeah, I I probably couldn't hide it. This girl to go out for a wedding. (laughs) I think you're going to a wedding. We were. Yeah. For my friend Brad and Nicole's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So I've been following you for a long time um, and what you do. And you have so many varied interests, really. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and one of them, I think you've always been, well, you love, you love earth and, you know, walks. And you've always Nature. been very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and especially just in the outdoors. Um, but you went on a journey pretty recently down, you know, something more specific mm-hmm. with, well, how would you describe that? I mean, I know now that you're an herbalist, that Ayurveda is a big part of that, the Ayurvedic tradition. Yeah. But what would you say if you were meeting somebody at a party and they're like, what do you do? Or like, what are you passionate about? What would you say? Yeah. Um, I think as far as, yeah, going, so I just recently completed with Angela the, um, certification to be a family and community herbalist and my intention with it was um I mean I've I've been into the natural health care and just um I grew up on land I mm-hmm. kind of food as medicine has been like a theme that has gone through my life mm-hmm. and then I'm super into nature and so for me it was you know, taking the class was more for personal, just getting deeper into like, I actually know a lot of the plants that grow around me. Um, and I just think they're magical because I love nature, Mm -hmm. but then there's this whole other world of like, um, I think tapping into like indigenous wisdom a little bit like knowing that people before all of our modern society like lived off of these plants that are around us um yeah so just wanting to know more and Mm -hmm. know that world of um yeah just having a deeper relationship with all the plants Mm -hmm. um I think also I had um another reason why I was really interested in the herbalism piece and like specifically the wildcrafting side was I had um, done a project. I work at Cal Poly as a graphic designer and I had done a project where we worked with the local, um, the indigenous uh, peoples, Mm -hmm. the Yaktichuchichu, Yaktilhini tribe. And I got to know them really well through the project because my job was to... um, basically educate help through graphics help mm-hmm. educate the students on how to say the names of these buildings that you they were responsible for that? I mean I know exactly what that looks like yeah yeah that was so that you? was like yeah so oh, I was doing so cool. a lot of like I was learning you know bits of their language and a lot of their story and a lot about the plants because they were you know they had planted native plants around and so mm. yeah a lot of my job was taking what they had brought to the table and then like getting it out to the students to teach them Mm -hmm. you know this basically that it's important to respect the indigenous peoples here and Mm -hmm. um so it that going through the process of like developing that relationship really like got me um and growing up around here it just made me want to have like a deeper more rooted respect for the land mm-hmm. and I already kind of had that because I am in nature all the time and so it's just kind of another layer or depth of like yeah. okay now really learning like what are the plants and what are their uses and not even necessarily to use them although sometimes I do um, but just to have a deeper relationship mm-hmm. yeah so how did you meet Angela then how did you two get yeah connected? so Angela um was has been an herbalist on the central coast for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I had taken a six week, um, it was like a natural wellness, um, course was it? Yeah. Like self, I don't remember the name of it, but, um, there were six different teachers and we did it for six weeks and, um, (laughs) she knows it's like, you know, when you like meet somebody and you're just like, yeah, we were like supposed to know each other. Yes. We were like, our souls have already known each other. Mm-hmm. And she just, um, mm-hmm. her teaching was on herbalism and specifically Ayurveda. And I had kind of learned Ayurveda a little bit prior. Um, but she just walked in and laid out all the plants. And I was like, this girl is like deeply mm-hmm. connected. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, I was super inspired by it. And <laughs> yeah. Um, and then she at, at that class was like, I'm thinking about doing an herbalism class. And a, for a couple years now, I had been Googling like herbalism on the Central Coast. Like, where can I do it? And the closest one I could find was in Ojai. Yeah. And it was like two years long and once a month. And I'm like, how am I going to pull that off? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she had like said that. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, definitely. Like, this is this is totally like where I want to head. And um, yeah, so that so basically I just adopted her as my friend right there was like it's a good way to learn yeah well and you must have been willing you must have been open oh yeah I um yeah it was like a love at first sight kind of thing you know with Sadie for sure um so I what I remember about that time is I had gone to India for um about 35 days in October of 2019 Wow. And so I did a deep immersion of going to the motherland, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, that holds uh, the beautiful teachings of yoga and Ayurveda. And I'd been studying those for so long now. So I went and had a deep immersion. And so I was just still coming out of that when I had come back home to teach this class on Ayurveda. And there was quite a few women. There was probably 14. It was a nice big group Mm -hmm. that had been journeying together for six weeks. So I was one of the teachers on one of the nights that I was there. And I remember Sadie right away and her enthusiasm and her love and the way she was engaging. And pretty much right after, I had made a brief mention about the possibility of teaching an herb course. Mm -hmm. This has been a dream, a seed in my heart for a long time. And once you have a deep immersion in another culture, you're, you're changed when you come home. It takes a little time to, to integrate and allow things to land. But as I was landing and coming back home, I realized that perhaps I have enough to share. Mm-hmm. Perhaps I have enough to start something because it can be daunting and um, fearful. And oftentimes we don't take that leap if we think we have to know enough or be an expert. Mm -hmm. So I was in this really open space. I had made a mention, oh, I'm thinking about possibly doing this herb course. And then Sadie was hot on my trail from that point forward of like, we're going to be friends and we need to hang out and we Mm -hmm. need to connect. And um, and so we did. We just started connecting more and more. And uh, shortly after that, COVID hit. And everything shut down as I knew it. I was doing massage and teaching yoga. And so all of those things were now on pause. And I remember a moment of sitting in my yard and I was talking to a friend and he said, if you had, you know, enough money to to uh, help you to be at ease for a little while at this moment in your life, um, what is it that you would do with your life? Mm And as I got quiet and still, I was like, oh my gosh, I would gather with women and talk about plants all day and go play. <laughs> That's and so great. That was, yeah, that was the knowing. And so Sadie, yeah, um, you had mentioned something earlier about Sadie that resonated. You asked her if she saw something, like saw a need, mm-hmm. you being a young mother and how she came yeah. in. And this is how I describe Sadie. Sadie is a visionary. Mm-hmm. She's a fire starter. I also think of Sadie as a doula and a midwife, and mm-hmm. she does. She has a gift of seeing what the need is. I think of Sadie and myself as community builders, mm-hmm. and I feel like Sadie saw something as a need for herself and also our community here on the Central Coast. Yeah. We really don't have a lot of herbal education. I don't know why that hasn't happened in our beautiful county mm-hmm. because the medicinal plants that grow here are just extraordinary and amazing. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, meeting Sadie was so helpful to me because it's one thing to have an idea and a, and a seed in your heart, a vision. And then when you have someone coming along, helping you to blow on that ember to mm-hmm. really bring it into fruition, Sadie has been that person for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was it's able to create fun. this course. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a little bit about that. I don't think, so this is my 97th episode that we're doing which is crazy crazy 97 wonderful conversations um but I think in that time I cannot think off the top of my head of one conversation I've had that was two friends or like you know two women or two men I I I can't think I've interviewed a lot of couples and a lot of individuals but you two talking reminds me of do you ever listen to the moth 
um, yeah. where the people just tell stories mm-hmm. without notes. Yeah, There's this that. one woman told a story about, I think she and her friends, two friends went to Turkey and they wound up in this, they said they decided, you know, Turkish baths. They were like, oh, it's probably like a spa. <laughs> we'll go. And they went and it was like, kind of like a massive locker room, like an ancient locker room. And uh, there were no spas, there were no treatments, anything like that. But there's this one corner of the room where um, you could get like a scrub that was really, she said it was really painful. Like they scrub off, she, I'll never forget, she said, after yeah. I was dermis free, like, you know, <laughs> dermis free. Anyway, she saw these women like brushing each other's mm. hair. Turkish women, like, you know, people who were, um, who lived there, brushing each other's hair, laughing, Mm. talking, like touching each other's bodies Mm. in a totally like pure loving way. Mm -hmm. And she and her friends were like, let's brush each other's hair. And so they did. And there was something, the whole point of the story was she came back to like the red tent, essentially, Mm -hmm. just friendship but more than that also you know like a like a sisterhood and I'm just getting whiffs of that as I talk to you which is (laughs) really really cool so Angela how did you get I mean where did that come from where did that love of plants come from and Sadie if you are ready to pour that stuff I'm ready ready to have it okay anyway yeah, thank you for that acknowledgement. It's it's amazing to love women. It's amazing to not be in competition. It's amazing to see each other's gifts and beauty and wildness and radiance. And instead of feeling less than in myself, to really celebrate that in another and to hold that energy in that space and to love each other. Um, and, you know, in the ancient texts uh, from India in, in the Vedic sciences, uh, there's a saying that, where women are honored, divinity will blossom. And when the women are well, the families heal and societies heal. We naturally want to love. Look at this beautiful tea, Look at Sadie. Pouring it. <laughs> oh, you know it's I don't rough. care. Brought to us here. out of the loving nature of her heart in a garden she's been growing. So when women are well nourished and loved and connected, we naturally want to give and nourish others. So it's a big come from in my work. Mm-hmm. Um, the love for plants, you know, um, there's so many stories. There's so many starting points I could I could share with you. And I'm going to go all the way back where all stories begin, right, is the beginning. And my, I was born in 1972 on Maui, up near Haleakala, at mm. home. Mm. Um, and so I feel like how we're conceived, where we're conceived, where we're born, and how we're bo- born really does make an imprint in us. And my mom in 72 at 21 years old, during her whole pregnancy, um, they didn't have much money at all and they would forage. Mm -hmm. So they would go find the mangoes and the pineapples and the avocados and they would go to farms. And yeah, this was more out of necessity, but I do think that wildness and where my mom was at as a young woman um, informed me and made an imprint on me. Mm-hmm. And I've always been drawn to the wild. I don't have any siblings. Um, I grew up with my mama. And as years went on, you know, there's some trauma that started to happen and addiction and mm-hmm. checking out. And so I spent a lot of time by myself. And I have specific memories of cloud gazing, of picking the dandelions, of making a wish, of running through the mustard fields of maybe being at a soccer practice or game, but wanting to go to the edges and the peripheries and climb the trees and notice the birds. So I feel like the wild landscapes have always spoken to me. It just took me a while um, to really accept it and embrace it and bring it out. Um, And then that just informed me uh, in my 20s. I was going to Cuesta College for a little while. You wound up out here. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I grew up down in Orange County in a beautiful little town, what was a little town, beach town called San Clemente. Mm-hmm. And so grew up going uh, swimming all the time in the ocean. That was really the love. Didn't grow up with a garden or growing mm-hmm. plants, but I do remember them. They've made an imprint on my being. And then I ended up here 
in my 20s, my early 20s, and it was love at first sight with this land. Someone took me to Montana de Oro and through the eucalyptus mm-hmm. grove, and I'm like, it's a done deal. Forget like, it. I'm moving yep. in. <laughs> yeah. I don't know exactly where I am, but there's a bit of wildness here that's really speaking to me. Um, yeah, I fell in love with the flora and the fauna uh, that grows all around here, the black sage and the mugwort, mm-hmm. and um, I just recognize them as kin. And so growing up as an only child, and like I had said, just some dynamics within the family, um, I spent a lot of time on my own. And so where do we turn to in those moments? Where do we go um, when the people we love sometimes let us down or they're just not able to show up for us? And I think the love affair for the wild and the natural world was really born out of a necessity of needing connection and to feel like I belong. Mm-hmm. And so I just developed a relationship. I would go camping by myself in San Simeon as a young girl. I would go to Big Sur. I would go out to the sand dunes. I liked pushing the edge and knowing that I could Mm -hmm. and it would help me to feel more connected and awake and alive Mm -hmm. and then eventually um, I got married and I had two babies and I had home births I was born at home so that forever informed me Mm -hmm. and then having midwives and being introduced to red raspberry tea and nettles um, and sitz baths and being nourished and cooked for so back to the modeling of women, I think that really got modeled for me in my 20s when I had midwives and the way they would care for me and nourish me and the way they encouraged me to build community and draw people in and make sure we were fed and cared for. And then having children, um, I have a daughter, Luna Sage, she's Mm -hmm. 24, and another daughter, Willow Hannah Rose, and she's 21. And I wanted to raise them as wild and natural as I possibly could. And so that started down the road of looking for alternatives um, with treating them. And the first real plant experience that I could speak of in herbalism is when Willow had a diaper rash. We were living in Santa Cruz. And my mother-in-law, bless her heart, dropped off a, a container of desitin. Yeah. And, and so I'm very familiar with Destin, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and nothing, nothing to put any of that down. Of and her not. heart was in the right place. Mm-hmm. And yet I turned the container over to read the ingredients and I couldn't pronounce one single yeah. thing that was in there. Mm-hmm. And having a home birth and successively being able to nurse my daughters, we were just really living this natural life. So I got curious at what would the health food store have for her? And so I went to the health food store in Santa Cruz and this woman said, oh, I've got the perfect thing for you. It's this plantain oil from a local herbalist. And it was the first moment that I heard herbalist, Mm -hmm. like what? (laughs) This is 1999, no, this is 2000. This Mm -hmm. is the year 2000. So even though it's not that long ago, there really wasn't the herbalism that there is today. Right. I, before Google, I still didn't have a computer, I didn't have a cell phone, I didn't have access, if you will, to all the things we do now. I had never heard of herbalism being a profession. Mm-hmm. I had never heard, oh, there's an herbalist in the community? Yeah. It lit me up head to toe. And so she gave me this bottle of oil that had infused herbs, and I'm looking at the label, and it's a, it's a drawing of a plant, mm-hmm. and it's the plantain plant. And I thought plantain, like most people do, is more tropical, and yeah. it's the banana. Right. Well, no, it turns out we have a local weed called plantain that's not related to the banana plantain, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will, at all. It's a local wild weed. And so I saw the picture drawn on the label, and when I went home that day, I saw that that plant grows everywhere. Fantastic. Mind like, was it blown. It is in your driveway, for sure. Like, it is everywhere everywhere really and so then I started making my own that was my first medicine making experience mind was blown oh my gosh the very plants that we need could actually be growing right on our driveways and outside our doors the weed I've been walking on a hundred times that I didn't acknowledge yes yeah that is thriving and 
waiting to be seen and presented mm -hmm. and so I started making my own oil and the recipe actually came from Susan Weed in one of her books this herbalist got it from that book of is Susan that Weed. her real name Susan mm -hmm. Weed you're kidding me oh she's so great I love her I was books. actually thinking about your name too is really interesting North mm. is that your that's mm. your given name that's my maiden name. Okay, that's yes. amazing. Thank Just you. In terms of, yeah, there's you know. a beautiful story behind all of that, too. Yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah, names are powerful. They hold an energy and a vibration. Yeah. And really, uh, there's a woman, Saban Fusome. She has since passed. But she says that names actually imprint in your DNA and determine who you are in the world. Incredible. <laughs> so names are potent and powerful. So her name is Susan Weed. Yeah, and Did she I get spells that right? yeah. Susan, S-U-S-U-N, -S like a son, Susan, Susan Weed. Weed. Crazy. Yeah. Continue, sorry. I just, no, I know. Yeah, that's too it's much. It's so fun. I, I know. Yeah. I love, yeah. She's great. So the herbalist in Santa Cruz was inspired by a recipe in Susan Weed's book, and she was selling it at the local health food store, and I bought the oil, and then that was a real moment of oh my gosh you know perhaps i could start making my own herbal medicine so i i started i didn't fully know what i was doing mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of make as life goes yeah, yeah. right and but there was such a resonance and an excitement and so yeah there's there's so much more i could say about plantain and all of that but that, mm -hmm. those were really the beginning foundational moments and i will add on that there's another woman's name you will want to know mm -hmm. and that's rosemary gladstar oh my gosh yeah it's too much i love it and so i started getting interested and i started picking up um herb books just at any stores that i was at it started right mm -hmm. this this fever and this fire had started it was ignited and again this is before google this is before computers or phones or anything so we're we're um yeah le learning from the books and the plants themselves so i started finding herb books and almost every herb book I picked up had a dedication to Rosemary Gladstar, this wow. woman, yeah. or a picture of her, or just, or she wrote the foreword, and her name was popping up everywhere, and I found a picture of her standing in this field of echinacea, and she, I just, my whole being was like, if I study plants one day, it has to be with Rosemary Gladstar. Mm -hmm. The way she is so sensual and, and beautiful and radiant and loving with the natural world um, just deeply spoke to me. So, so I did. And uh, I told my best friend, mm -hmm. uh, Kathleen, about Rosemary. And, uh, and Kathleen got excited, and so we just were starting to get excited. We didn't really know where she was or what was going on um, with what she was offering. And then Kathleen came back to me and said, Rosemary lives in Vermont, about 30 minutes from my parents. I'm going to visit my parents this summer, so I'm going to go study with Rosemary. And I wow. was like you can't go to Vermont without me. I introduced you to. And she was like, well, what are you waiting for? Mm. You know, pack a bag, get a plane ticket. Let's go study with her. Mm -hmm. And my daughters were probably like five and seven at this time. This mm -hmm. is 2005 now. And I had never done anything like that for myself as a mother. Um, so I'm sure some mamas out there can relate. I had never spent that kind of money on myself. I had never been away that long. It was just like a nine or 10 day trip, but mm -hmm. I had never done anything like that. So when my best friend was like, it's a no brainer, pack your bags, buy a ticket. It ignited something of self-worthiness in me and really launched me into a new place of, yeah, these things matter and I can mm -hmm. follow the call of my heart and my curiosity and not necessarily need to know what I'm gonna do with it. Yeah. I just knew I needed to go. You must have seen some different plants out there too. I'm sure yeah, that opens Coast, your yeah, mm, eyes yeah. a lot. It's so abundant yeah. out there. For sure. Yeah, and, and fireflies and thunderstorms oh and blueberries. and um, <laughs> The first firefly I ever saw, it was just like, no, no, this is not, you know, it looks like a sparkler, almost like a, yeah. an ember from a sparkler. That, that's an animal. Mm. It's an animal. They're so incredible. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so when it comes to, can you explain Ayurveda 
to, you know, I know. Just explain it here. We have like 13. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just as best you can, what is that tradition as far as um, plants? And I know, doesn't temperament come into it too? I've been told what I am before, but I don't remember. It was a friend just kind of like, you know, did a scan and said, (laughs) you're this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember her being very accurate about what that entailed. But can you give me an idea of where does it come from? Maybe start there. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) And what you know. I do not expect you to be an expert. Yeah, I I love talking about Ayurveda. Yeah. Um, So we're all familiar, I think, today about yoga. Right. And so yoga is this path of purification of the body and the mind, uh, yoga, yoke to unite, to become one. So we practice yoga through breath work, pranayama, meditation, asana, um, concentration, focus. So it's this path of purification so we can essentially enter more of a oneness in our lives. And then Ayurveda is what's known as the sister science, the supporting science. Mm -hmm. It's basically taking your yoga off the mat and into your life and living awake and aware and mindful life, a seasonal life connected to Mother Nature. Um, So defining the word, you have Ayurveda. I know it's a tough word for a lot of people to say. Mm -hmm. Ayur, Ayus means um, life. And then Veda means knowledge or wisdom or even a science. So it's this beautiful invitation to bring an open mind, an open heart, someone that is wanting to be awake and aware and starting to really pay attention to all of their five senses, to what's happening in life. Um, And let me pause. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many different avenues to go down. (laughs) So it's the science of life and living. It's learning to pay attention. We heal through our five senses, and we can also become harmed through our five senses. Mm -hmm. Ayurveda is all-encompassing of absolutely everything. It covers your food, Mm -hmm. your constitution, your prakruti, which is your original creation at the moment of conception, and how you and I and Sadie, we are all one-of-a-kind creations to never, ever, ever be made again. That's how unique we are. Um, Ayurveda brings in the, uh, the five elements, ether, air, fire, water, and earth, and how that, those governing energies encompass all of life and how we are not separate from that. We have all of those energetics within us at varying degrees. And so you take your prakruti, your original creation at the moment of conception, that's your constitution. And so part of Ayurveda is working with people one-on-one and supporting them to understand their prakruti, what is their blueprint, what is their unique, one-of-a-kind makeup of who they are. Um, and is, then I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is that what my friend was telling yeah, me about? Yeah, your prakruti. Mm-hmm. Okay, and are there five? There's three doshas. Three. three. There's okay. five elements, three okay. doshas, six tastes. Um, right, and so you distill the elemental forces and you have what's called vata, pitta, yes. kapha. So I'm guessing she might have told you your vata, pitta, or pitta, mm-hmm. vata. I'm not sure which is the strongest. I feel like she only told me one, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was vata, but I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, your, your, uh, your build, your, who you are, your right. structure, your frame, you're a creative. There, there's so many things yes. that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, it's living a life the way I like to introduce it is um, how much beauty can we weave into our life and tying it back to the plants? How can you weave the botanicals, like Sadie made us this beautiful mm-hmm. tea, a bouquet of flowers, you have plants in here. Mm-hmm. How much of the natural world and mother nature can we weave into our hearts and our homes and our kitchens for the greatest well-being? And then Ayurveda will put in a whole nother level of understanding everything's individual what might be medicine for you might be poison for me mm-hmm. and and so on and so as we get to know ourselves and we listen to the feedback of the world through our eyes our skin our nose our mouth tasting food our lifestyle our rhythms when we wake up in the morning when we go to bed um, if we just start really paying attention to where we're nourished and really fed and we feel amazing and well and where we're not. And it's not through a lens of right and wrong, good and bad or shaming. It's literally just learning to pay attention. Yeah. Oh, I notice if I eat 
something at eight at night or watch a scary movie, like my sleep isn't quite Mm -hmm. as wonderful or nourishing or rested as I, as it could be. Mm -hmm. So what are the things it's really self empowerment and making wise decisions for ourselves. Um, and living a nourishing life. And I will say lastly here on that piece is how to connect and live a seasonal life. Mm -hmm. What's growing in our ecosystem right now as we speak? What are the wild plants? Visiting the farmer's market, what is growing in our environment? Because that first and foremost is the most potent food Mm -hmm. and medicine that we could do for ourselves is sink with our Mm -hmm. ecosystem, to sink with mother nature. Let's take a quick detour here to talk about another consumed supporter. Slow Food Co-op's mission is to empower health and well-being in the community by providing quality groceries, local produce, and exceptional customer service. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining non-GMO standards and a variety of organic selections. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store and their website at slowfood.coop and visit the Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. So much information there. So much. And I knew some. Well, and also a lot of it jives with things I've observed. I mean, you know, just naturally. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking a little bit about how did this come up for me? You were talking about, um, you know, some people may be more, uh, you know, not rigid, but like they may like things more structured. Other people might like things more wild. And I, the first thing that came to mind was the differences. I've always been interested in the differences between um, like an Italian garden is very structured. It's very um, like there are places, specific places for things. This is where we sit. This is where we eat. This is where we grow things. This It's just really like portioned out. And then an English garden is really just like rambunctious. It just goes wherever, you know, just overgrown, beautiful, colorful. And an Italian garden is really like there's white, there's green, there's black, and that's mm-hmm. kind of it. Um, and how everybody's so different. I think it was the fact that you said there's plants in the house. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of a, a recent love of mine is having all these things around. It just warms everything up, makes the air pure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just love it. I totally love it. And I've been shocked at the fact that I have a little bit of a green thumb. Not a lot. <laughs> but these things are alive. Do you yeah. see that they're living? It's crazy. But yeah, it's just become a, a little passion of mine. Sadie, I'm curious, like, to, to bring what Angela is saying into, you know, to put flesh on it. For you, can you tell me what your constitution is? Yeah, I'm Vata Pitta. And so, (laughs) yeah, Vata is a really airy, it's air ether sign. So it's got a lot of, um, Vata people are typically have a lot of ideas. They're creative. They have a lot of energy. They're kind of like butterflies. yeah, and then Pitta is more of the fire. So it's um, the fire starters, the visionaries, the people who are getting shit done. Mm-hmm. They're like making it happen. Um, yeah, it's interesting too, because I, and what Angela's kind of talking about is you know your, you know your constitution, and then every day it's like a relationship with your constitution. So like I can tell when I'm getting. Like, I need grounding. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Vata is very, it's up in the air. It's lots of ideas. And, and I'm typically trying to get my feet back down on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do that through whatever practices make you feel grounded, you mm-hmm. know? So for me, it's like having a cup of warm tea. Like, the warmth um, is so grounding to me. It just brings me back down and calm. Mm-hmm. Um and being in nature is like a really grounding thing for me. And so and it's interesting because um, this happens to me like a lot in life is I'll be doing something and then it finally gets defined for me. Like yeah. I've, I'm a really, really um, high sensory person mm-hmm. through like, I think I'm just was that way born that way, like really tapped into my senses, but also can get like thrown out of whack through my senses yes. easily. Um, and 
I um, didn't know that Ayurveda, like Ayurveda to me as like the person who hasn't studied it so much is really just a sensory experience. It's mm-hmm. like, it's balancing yourself through your senses. And um, yeah, so it's been fun to learn a lot more about Ayurveda because it just, um, yeah, it gives me, it gives me tools, specific rituals. I love rituals mm-hmm. and, and doing those because they're grounding to me. Um, and it gives me the rituals and tools to, to balance myself when I'm like, and, and then knowing, you know, like every food that you consume, every mm-hmm. herb that you consume, they all have properties. So for instance, like, um, ginger is a good example for me because, and she, um, uses ginger all the time too. Mm-hmm. And, um, but like ginger's really hot. And so yeah. I noticed like if I'm in that more fiery state, if I have a hot cup of ginger tea and it's like a hot day, my stomach will literally say like, no, I no. don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll start sweating too much. And like, <laughs> you know, so it's a response. Your body's saying like, no, that's not really the medicine that you need, you know? Mm-hmm. So you learn. Um, but then in like dead of winter when I'm like my soul needs uplift and Mm -hmm. it needs fire and warmth and like maybe to get the to get that energy flowing more like a warm cup of ginger tea is so beautiful and nourishing and Mm -hmm. really like yeah can light me up so um it's just knowing it's getting into like a rhythm and then having yeah some framework around it to understand like what elements live in each food and um and then when in the seasons to consume that because it's not always you know the right time i guess right yeah um, does any of this relate to i don't know if you're comfortable talking about it but mm-hmm. there you had a mass you well you've had lots <laughs> i don't know if i know anyone who's had more like big life-changing events than sadie rogers i know um, <laughs> had a big decade there in my 20s oh yeah I'm thinking of three things in yeah. particular. But the one I'm curious about is the tree. Mm-hmm. Can you tell that story? Are you come yeah. telling it? Yeah. And I wonder if it relates to this at all. Oh, totally. I feel like, you know, she told her starting beginning story. And um, I totally considered a beginning for, for me. But, um, yeah, I was on a backpacking trip in 2012. And I was in Big Sur. We were hiking to Sykes Hot Springs. And I... Um, I actually got hit by a falling tree. It's so weird to say that it's now. The it's the weirdest like I feel, thing. I feel like third person saying it now. Um, yeah. What, and what so does that odd. mean? Like what happened? Literally, like I was just walking along. I was with um, my partner at the time and we were walking and I was in front and it was a beautiful day. And um, it, it just like the tree was dead and decided to fall and it <laughs> fell on us. Like... And it's everything that you would expect. Like I heard the crack and then like hmm. the next memory I have was the tree had pushed us down the side of a cliff. And then um, the next memory I have was like coming to and having the backpack like flipped over my head and I was choking from the chest strap and um, and being like, what? And yeah, it was a really gnarly experience. And um, we were nine miles in, so we had no cell service he was like farther down but not as badly injured um yeah I had a liver laceration that was like an internal bleeding so that was like the major but I was really beat up like head to toe I saw Um, a picture yeah yeah like you unrecognizable unrecognizable um Uh yeah it was a really crazy scary experience and we were you know um it was probably the yeah, one of the first times where I was like, oh, seeing the universal, like, um, pieces that come together when in times like that. But um, people, the last two people we saw that night came five minutes later, um, mm. and they didn't have packs on, and they were runners. So that was, like, amazing, yeah. and they were able to run out. But it took, you know, that was at 5.30. It took till 2.30 in the morning um, for a 14-man search and rescue team to come in by foot to carry me out and um yeah it was really uh my injuries like I shouldn't have I shouldn't be alive honestly Mm -hmm, I had mm -hmm. a really bad liver laceration that should have um been operated on within the hour and just 
by the way that it cracked, um, it was a slow, a slower bleed. And so that's why I was okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, um, we did the right things. I mean, you don't know when you're in those really intense, um, circumstances, how you're going to react. And we just stabilized and waited and yeah, then I got airlifted and spent, uh, many days in uh, a trauma care in San Francisco. And yeah, it was really life-changing. I was 26. Um, and I think, you know, it was a beginning for me and that like um, nature is so beautiful and amazing and fierce. Mm-hmm. And, and it was the first time that I had really understood like, my place in it and I'm really comfortable in nature I grew up in nature like always barefoot always in trees always like but that was the first time where it was like whoa I respect and Mm -hmm. um a lot of people ask me you know weren't you scared and um it's like no it's almost more of a just a deep respect and understanding um yeah, I sustained a head trauma at that time and it later um, was diagnosed with a mild TBI. And that really... Um, what is that? What's TBI? A traumatic brain injury. Okay. So it's like a concussion. And I probably could have maybe like had head bumps when I was younger or whatever. And then also there's, you know, after you go through a traumatic experience like that, there's definitely like PTSD and things mm-hmm. like that come up. So I think there was a culmination of things that brought up like basically intense anxiety yeah. for me. But um, what anxiety is to me is really just your body saying like I want to be paid attention to Mm -hmm. I want to like I need nourishment and I need to be loved and cared for and um so yeah it brought me into a relationship with my body that I hadn't needed to like I hadn't needed to have that depth of prior and at such a young age you know Mm -hmm. at 26 you're supposed to still just be out there living it up right so Um, yeah, so that brought me into like yoga and, um, and down a path of really just, um, coming back home, honestly. Mm -hmm. And to me, home is like in nature and just being really connected to nature and, um, yeah. And, and being really, and it brought me into like my creativity and connection and, um, yeah, I can't even remember your original question, but you're, what's you're com- answering it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's coming to me is like um, you had kind of said in the beginning, like, yeah, you have a lot of interests and um, and what would you call yourself or and it's <laughs> I, I like hate when people ask me, like, what do you do? I'm yeah. like, oh, a lot of things. So much. I'm just like a creative. Like, yeah. I'm just a an experiencer, like a, a sensory like I just um, but they actually when I when I think of like I'm a graphic artist Mm -hmm. and I learned that from my mom who was a graphic artist and um it's like making a cup of tea is the same as making a piece is the same as doing graphic design in the fact that like there's balance that needs to happen right so you have like your main herb and then you have your your herbs that you bring in as like um supporting herbs and graphic design's the same you have your like main colors and then you have Mm -hmm. accent colors and so all the things that I do they all make sense in my brain because they're using the same set of like creative thinking and balancing Mm -hmm. and like relationship um and it's just being expressed through like different forms, whether it be natural dye or graphic design or making a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my, yeah, my whole, every moment that I'm living is an expression of, of these, this culmination of events um, and experiences and the, the curiosities. I mean, she was talking about curiosities. It's like, I just follow my curiosities and they do all connect. And then when they do, it's like, Oh, it's so fun and beautiful and, and lovely. So, 
Um, yeah, the the tree experience was a starting point for me and just like having a deep respect and understanding of like my place in nature. Um, yeah, and then I hiked the John Muir Trail right, right after that and um, a couple years later and that just brought me into like deeper relationship. And so, I don't know, I think... Um, like Angela said, you have these, your foundational moments. And she was talking about Maui. And um, I have this Aunt Anne who, when I was young, she, we would go to Maui too. And um, I like sometimes think me and Angela's like souls have played together before we've ever even met. But maybe it was on Maui. Um, and Aunt Anne, my Auntie Anne would like take us on these crazy urban foraging expeditions, like where we would get like chased off people's properties and stuff. She'd be like, the best banana patches over here. Like, you know, papayas, we gotta get papayas over here. And like, this is what you do. And I remember being a kid and being like, I'm gonna be Aunt Anne when I grow yeah. up. Like, and everybody, the whole family was like, Aunt Aunt's freaking crazy. Yeah, right. And then she's like, the crazy aunt. She's like the crazy aunt, and I'm yeah. like, here I am, just like being Aunt Aunt. I, I love, love that. I, I love, love it. it. I wouldn't want to be anyone else. Like the old yeah. crone apothecary. Totally. Yeah, she's just like, but for her, it was like a. It's it's how you live, you know. And there was always deep relationship, and there was nurturing. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's. I don't know, an important part of the conversation when you talk about being in relationship with nature is like having it be a relationship um, where you're giving to Mm -hmm. and not just taking from the land because I think that's, you know, a really sensitive thing. And um, Mm. yeah, just, just, I don't know. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, just like being in, in relationship and when you are being nourished by by the natural world as Angela and I like are on a regular basis there you can't not nourish it back and um I think there's there's just no way to to not give it back and so um I think that's what like the herbalism course has really brought me into like a next the next level of my being is just like connection and relationship Mm -hmm. and um there's integration there yeah. between your right and left brain too. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that when you're talking about the definition of the word Ayurveda, it has something to do with science mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, the left brain is very linear, logical, all the L words. Um, <laughs> and the right brain is emotive and, um, and takes in context also like I'm very right brain mm-hmm. so as we're talking here I'm not just focusing on what you're doing mm-hmm. I'm hearing the guys paving the street outside <laughs> I'm ta- like mm-hmm. every I, everything has to be kind of in its place in my house because if there's a sock laying on the ground the whole to me the whole house is dirty. yeah same that somebody called it field dependent I depend upon the field mm-hmm. like I, whatever's going on is what I am feeling mm-hmm. inside whereas my husband Jake is very field independent he can mm-hmm. write, you know, he can code on a laptop in the middle of like a blizzard <laughs> and be totally able yeah. to just do it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even see the sock. We have some things we talk <laughs> about there. Um, but anyway, uh, the right and left brain, the integration of the two, where you can integrate feeling and logic, where you can integrate like the way that you feel inside with the way things really are Mm -hmm. sounds very close to me Mm -hmm. and that's brain science that's Mm -hmm. you know there's a ton of research about that there's a book called the whole brain child that's Mm -hmm. wonderful about that um and then another thing that comes to mind um (laughs) doesn't feel right to quote myself but that my favorite thing I ever wrote I can say with 100% confidence was about, it was the one year anniversary of Anthony Bourdain's death. And that meant a lot to me because mental health is something that I've just Mm -hmm. got a long-term relationship with. Um, And there was a part in there, I don't know if you've ever written anything where, or made anything where you feel like it's making itself in a way Mm -hmm. where you're just kind of like birthing this thing. Yeah. There was a sentence. (laughs) And we're lucky (laughs) and lucky to do that. There was a, a, like a three sentence piece in there where I felt like I just, it was not me that was Mm -hmm. doing this talking about how anxiety and depression. um, I'm thinking about your tree experience Mm -hmm. and respecting nature. 
those things can help and they can harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about water can give us life and it can drown us Mm -hmm. and fire can scorch us and it can warm us. And that mental health is elemental like that. Mm -hmm. And I think embracing that, you know, the integration of those two things, integrating, you know, help and harm and seeing them and respecting them. You Mm -hmm. know, the tree that gives you shade is Mm -hmm. also the tree that, yeah. lacerates your liver I mean yeah, it's yeah, just it's totally it's a lot to hold all together yeah I think like that in nature too and I had like an interesting experience just um up in Tahoe um these I was going on a trail and these people came out yeah it's a relationship to fear really mm-hmm. um these people came out like all fearful like a bear just walked down there you know five to ten minutes and ago and um I mean I'm not an idiot I'm like okay uh just understanding like our fear and and then respect and like the balance there because I sat for a little bit and thought like okay and it's feeling into does it feel like I'm invited to be in this space does it feel like do I need to be so yeah, scared of of the bear, um, or am I just like another animal that's also entering this meadow? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I sat for a little bit with it, and I even like got back and sat in my car, like maybe I won't go. And then I was like, actually, no, I am gonna go. And so I just like walked slowly, and I actually was saying out loud, like, I'm here, like I'm here mm-hmm. too. Is it okay if I'm here? Like, and and just was like in relationship, and I never saw the bear, but I totally felt the presence and. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that, and especially in nature, that people are programmed to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, poison oak, bears, rattlesnakes. And I mm-hmm. see it all the time, you know, where it's there's an intense fear there. And I think a lot of times fear can also be just translated into respect like um of yeah of just like I respect um these animals or this plant or the tree and then also know that like I'm a part of this environment and it's actually more important for me to be in the environment Mm -hmm. in order to have the relationship Hmm. with both the respect and the fear then like just not do it because it's scary yeah um yeah and so it's all related to courage mm -hmm. and like there's a natural education that happens when you expose yourself to fear for sure last night well like 5 30 in the morning we live on the creek the creek runs through the back and occasionally i'll hear stuff happening in the back and yeah this early early this morning there was a dog um, was clearly being killed by something mm. in the creek bed and it died. Um, I mean, I heard it and so much fear inside. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, it kept me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we, we set these, our houses in a very typical little tract, mm-hmm. you know, and yet we've got the creek going through the back. We can't, we can't stop it. Mm-hmm. We can't change what was here before we came, you know, mm-hmm. and just the wildness. Why would you want to? I mean, well, know? at five thirty this morning, yeah, I was kind of like, like maybe, why I can't I live in Irvine? <laughs> <laughs> just no. for a minute. Just yeah, for just a minute. Maybe. No. Yeah, that's no. But intense. just life continues. You know, life continues, especially in a drought. Who knows what came down? Oh, totally. So anyway, all that to say, yes, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I need to ask you because we could keep talking for mm-hmm. a really long time. Um, if you were celebrating your last day on earth, you're like, you know what? I've lived such a good life. And Sadie, you've definitely had your, <laughs> you've got your nine lives. You've got yeah. lots of lives. Um, if you were going to celebrate what would you eat to be the last taste in your mouth? Um, what would you drink and who would you be with? And you each get to answer that. Mm. Do you have an idea? You do. Sure, yeah. 
I just want to thank you two for the conversation leading up to this question. What I'm hearing is this reweaving ourselves back into the web of life. And when we don't have a relationship with death itself, right, seeing loved ones pass or in ceremony or that, we start to lose that connection. And when we don't have that relationship with the natural world in that way, we start to become really fearful and afraid. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're learning how to reweave ourselves back into the intelligence of Mother Nature. And she is wonderfully, powerfully fierce mm -hmm. and protective all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So. Um, that's just a big piece is uh, integrating ourselves again back mm -hmm. into the cycle and the web and we're part of the food chain and mm -hmm. we don't know when our time is coming and um, <laughs> yeah I think finding some sort of okayness around that and acceptance okayness yes yeah okayness is sometimes mm -hmm. just enough isn't it mm -hmm. <laughs> well when you I mean I yeah it's um, as you are asking that question you know, I, when questions come, I try to just be really present and see what first pops into one's mind. So as you were speaking, what would I eat? Uh, nettles definitely popped into my mind's eye. So we have a beautiful plant that grows local and wild in our area and all over the world and has been long revered um, for many things. And she is stinging nettles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we talk about the poison oak or... Um, some of the hazards, the snakes, the things in life. Stinging nettles is another one. She has formic acid in her, um, but it's part of her powerful medicine. She is both a food and a powerful healer. Um, so I have learned over the years how to wildcraft her, how to forage her, and I love to make soup, mm -hmm. and I love to make teas. The infusion <laughs> that I brought today mm. is a wild nettles that has been infusing overnight. Look how dark it is. This beautiful mm -hmm. dark, it is. super high in chlorophyll and iron. Yeah. yeah, I can see it's green at the edge. It's very green. Yeah. <laughs> so I would probably uh, gather my daughters, my mom, my best friend, um, just off the top of my head, mm. and invite them to go foraging with me. <laughs> whether they want to or not but I, I think at this point they're all game um, and um, we would go home and we would cook um, at some point we'd probably bring in some wine why not it's my last day on earth mm -hmm. yeah go for uh, it <laughs> and just spend a day uh, maybe at my house maybe somewhere in the wild uh, probably jump into the water somewhere mm. um, somewhere in nature and be immersed in in love with beautiful people and the wild foods mm -hmm. but that's kind of what I do every day yeah. <laughs> well I think that's a good sign I, you're ready then if I'm it's your ready. time you know you've celebrated. I have actually made peace with death a long time ago mm. yeah. I feel like I have died a few deaths myself uh, yeah. more emotionally mm -hmm. where I have been in those places of really not knowing what was going to be next and mother nature has a way of just uh, coming through and so when you make peace with your own death it's like you just live every day uh, your best life in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I just came back from Tahoe from... from Which is dear to you, I so know. It's yeah. so special to me. My um, grandpa and grandma built a cabin with their t own two hands in... Um, near Fallen Leaf Lake in the south in the south shore and it's still in our uh, the cabin's still in our family and mm -hmm. it's a, a really special place because it's still really wild mm -hmm. um yeah and so right now I would be there I, there's like a meadow there and it's so beautiful and um I would be eating I love like really fresh food I love watermelon I can just eat a watermelon <laughs> with a spoon that would be there <laughs> I put salt and mint on my watermelon. That's like my favorite. To lift I can get it. really yep. like into watermelon food, but yeah. um, no one's ever said that. I love watermelon. I do too. Oh, I can eat so many melons. I get them at the right now at the farmers market. The dry fa farms this is watermelon. Your season. Yeah, because they're so they're like so concentrated. Good. Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, mm. um, but also like I love. Um, yeah, I think it's part of the vata. Like, I love, like, warm, like, pasta. Mm -hmm. Like, homemade, though. Like, make it with our own two hands. I love everything. No pasta sheeter. Mm, Do it with no, your hands. No, we're not, like, like chewy. Yeah, yeah. and um, just lots of fruit and fresh food and tea and my family. And mm -hmm. I have a lot of 
beautiful girlfriends and my daughter Brooklyn and um, and all the plants and animals and everything around <laughs> and you. it would just be lovely yeah yeah it would be in nature somewhere yeah yeah oh that's and, lovely yeah you guys <laughs> you girls yeah <laughs> thank you for coming thank you for the tea for the record <laughs> it's beautiful mm lemongrass mm, I mean it just, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that what it was lemon the, balm I think the lemon verbena comes through verbena. it's a little bit has like a little bit of a bitter um, oh I just love component. it though. it's so good yeah mm, nicely done thank you yeah. for coming thank you for having thank me you. thank you for listening to consumed it means a lot to see how the podcast has grown in 100 episodes and it's all thanks to you listeners The podcast is edited by me this time around because Chris Lambert is amazing and busy with other very important stuff, but he's still forever part of the Consumed family. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review and share with all your buddies. Okay, until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis. Bye.